Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you've found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Trucker Live. I'm Alan Smith, and it is Saturday, February, no, what is today? March 3rd. Wait a second. Let me get my, I tell you what, I've got more notes on this show than any other. Let me look here through here real quick. And well, good evening, everybody. Hey, I, I see you on the line, Lois and Jerry and Marianne. Oh, hold on. Let me get them up here. Yeah, has has gone. Have, oh, let's see. Who did we lose? We lost Lois. You'll have to call back in. Uh, but yeah, go ahead for a second, Donna, because I got to hit these up. But okay. Jerry and Marianne's up now. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Marianne. Welcome to the show tonight. So glad you could Thank make you. it. Thank, Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we've. I tell you what, two of us have been doing a lot of research for this. This is such a controversial show, and um, it it shouldn't be really, but it is. And um, of course, we'll get into all that tonight, um, like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm trying to get my stuff together too because we just put together so much, and you know, I'm so glad everybody's on the line tonight listening. Um, because I know they want to hear a lot of the facts uh, from from a lot of the statistics for underwrite crashes and um, under guards and side guards, and then a little bit of confusion that's going on with the um, front guards too. So that's going to be all discussed tonight. Um, we've also got um, a lot of questions that people have and uh, hopefully we can get, we can get through it all. Okay. Alan, I'm going to give it back to you. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I was just uh, doing a little bit more research uh, just before the show and had uh, everything switched up here. But as we all know, it is Saturday, March 3rd, 2018. And like Donna was saying, tonight's a show on safety and preventing Fatalities, and, and I'm not talking about the ELD mandate, which uh, I don't believe is about safety, even though it is hidden behind the word safety. But we all know that when, you, when you're governed by a clock and paid by the mile with all kinds of delays in between, that's just not safe. But, again, that's another show for us all. Tonight's different. Tonight we want to talk about underwrite crashes and the Underwrite Protection Act of 2017, which is a piece of legislation which has been introduced by both the Senate and the House, which would require stronger rear guard 
before I go on. I want to say that, you know, we've been advocating for which could prevent drivers from being paid. It wasn't easy in the early years. There was no social media, so we all all we had was our Asset Trucker blog website and trucking forums and article writing, and eventually this uh, this uh, radio uh, program here. So tonight we're going to talk about underwrite crashes and how to prevent them. It's an issue which is controversial and could end up with another mandate, and that doesn't sit well with some truckers and because you know you think about it, they've been overregulated in the name of safety and underpaid for many years but I will tell you this topic is different I believe this is this is about safety and we hope that once you see the facts you'll uh, understand why so first for those new maybe new to trucking what is an underride crash it's when a car slides under the body of a large truck, such as a semi-trailer, during an accident. And when these accidents happen, a car safety features just are not able to protect passengers because most of the car slides under the trailer and the truck crashes straight through the windows and into the passengers. Now, on December, what was it, 12, 2017, uh, U.S. Senators Marco Rubio and Kirsten Gillibrand introduced the stock Underrides Act, S20. And Mark DeSaulnier introduced a companion bill in the House, which is known as H.R. 4622. So the bill was originally drafted by two of our guests tonight, Mary Ann Carth and Lois Dorsey, or Durso. It was originally called the Roya, Analea, and Mary Comprehensive Underwrite Protection Act of 2017 or the Ramp Cup Act of 2017. It's now known as Stop Underwrites Act. So many listening tonight have predetermined ideas. Is most accidents are the four-wheelers should pay attention to the road or things like can someone teach four-wheelers how to drive instead of another regulation. Let's not forget, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very busy. Donna's handling the show most of the time, a lot of times, but I'm always glad to be back here when I can. But let's not forget, I did drive for 39 years, and 29 of those years were over the road. So I do understand where truckers are coming from. So uh, the list for uh, for predetermined ideas, I understand, and it goes on and on. But until we open our minds and look at facts and start doing some research on our own, I don't believe we'll be able to make an educated decision. So if after looking at all the facts you still believe that side guards are not necessary, at least one can say, you know, you've done your homework. But here's one fact, everyone. There are approximately 1,600 fatal crashes involving trucks every year, and many are underride crashes. And some are the four-wheeler's fault, some are the trucker's fault, and some are nobody's fault at all. It's mother's nature's. But does it really matter whose fault it is? People are dying, children are dying, adults are dying. So instead of blaming, I hope tonight we can just discuss tonight the solutions, how to fix it. So let's talk about solutions, and yes, that includes better auto training, CDL training, 
enforcing distracted driving laws, and yes, the need for stronger rear and side guards. So our guests tonight are Marianne and Jerry Karth of the website analeamary.com, and their website is named after their two young daughters who were killed in 2013 in an underride crash, and it was a trucker's fault. Our other guest is Lois Durso of StopUnderRides.org, and her daughter was also a victim of an underride crash, and it was Mother Nature's fault. And we made it real easy for you to find their websites. Just go to the show description and just click on their names. Click on Marianne or Lois's name, and their name is linked to their website. So our three guests are here tonight to share the facts they have researched about underride crashes, and before the tragic deaths of their children, they weren't aware of what underride crashes even were. So they decided to research and find as much information as possible. So tonight they passed their years of research with us for us to make our own conclusions, keeping an open mind. So what is their motivation? And from speaking with them and listening to them, I believe it's to help prevent other people from dying from underride crashes, which is something I believe there is a solution for. And recently, OIDA released their talking points for oppose underride guard mandates. And one of their goals for the show tonight, one of our goals for the show tonight, is to address some of their talking points one by one. And although Donna and I, we agree 90% of the time with the efforts OIDA makes when it comes to truckers and the trucking industry, this is one that I just have to say that I tend to disagree with. And furthermore, I will be writing another blog post for Ask a Trucker dot com which uh, should be up and live sometime tomorrow and touching on this very basis with oida and the reason why i disagree with them so tonight's discussion will include cost convenience prevention and other questions you might have our call-in number if you'd like to be a part of the show is three four seven eight two six nine one seven zero and you can just hit the number one which will uh, raise up a flag that tells me you would like to be on the show so I've talked enough. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with our guest right here on Ask the Trucker Live. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. 
To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Uh, Marianne and Jeff, Jerry Karth and Lois Durso are our guests. Uh, Jerry, Marianne, welcome to the show again. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Lois, glad to, you made it back with us. Glad, uh, glad that you are here as well. Well, thank you so much for inviting me and um, thanking all your guests for listening in. Uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to go through. Uh, we have a lot of listeners on the line. I usually go through and put down uh, what states are calling from, but I didn't quite get them all done. But, well, I'm glad to have uh, everybody there listening, too. So uh, Donna was laughing at me during the break because the first thing she told me before the show started was, do not get your notes mixed up, and that's the very first thing I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, okay, I, you know. Last week? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, just for everybody who tuned in last week and couldn't get in the show, um, this is why we're doing it this week, because Blog Talk Radio's call-in number was uh, was down. And, of course, we had to, you know, send notifications out to everybody. But we do appreciate those coming on tonight. And uh, I hope everybody realized what happened last week. But um, we did a blog post uh, the other day, and any information also, you can go right to askthetrucker.com. So I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I tell you, I, I was just going to say that there's a, you know, going through something like this, there's just so so much to go through. It's even hard to figure out where to start. I tell you, let's start again with uh, – Marianne, we'll start with you, and then Jerry, and then of course Lois. And but Marianne, just give us a just give us a quick little background bio on yourself, and uh, for those that are just new to what is going on, <clears throat> maybe a quick reiteration of you know what happened, what got you into this, and uh, and just kind of where you're headed and how things are looking for you here as well, as far as this underwrite mandate's going for you. And then Jerry, we'll get you in here because I know you have a a background in, gener- in uh, trucking that goes back three generations. So uh, let's just kind of start there, Marianne, where, uh, just a little introduction of yourself wherever you'd like to begin. Okay, thanks, Alan. I have uh, a degree in public health, but after I worked for a little while, I had began having nine children and uh, taught them at home. And then uh, we moved around the country a bit. And in 2013, we moved from Texas to North Carolina with the three youngest of our children. Uh, Analia was 17, Caleb 15, and Mary 13. And uh, we, when our when they came home from uh, our children in uh, Texas were in college, most of them, when they came home from Christmas break, Rebecca had gotten engaged, so we planned a big trip from 
North Carolina, back to Texas for four college graduations and Rebecca's wedding. So on May 4th, 2013, with the three youngest set out with me in our Crown Vic, Jerry had stayed the week to work and then he was going to fly out to Texas. Uh, we had packed the wedding dress that I had sewn for Rebecca and got in Georgia on I-20, came upon slowed traffic, a truck driver, for whatever reason, we never found out for sure, but he did not slow down. He hit us. It spun us around, and we went, we went backwards into the back of the tractor trailer in front of us. The rear of our car went under the trailer. The, the rear underride guard came right off, and Mary and Annalia were in the back seat. Their part of the car uh, went under the truck, uh, Mary or Annalia died at the scene, and Mary a few days later from the injuries. So afterwards, in the aftermath of the crash, when we learned about underwrite, as you said, Alan, I, I had never heard of an underwrite guard before. Mm-hmm. And we learned that hundreds of people die every year from underwrite crashes. And we also learned that they could be preventable, that the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety had been doing crash testing and had shown that the guards, rear guards that were designed to meet the federal standard were actually too weak and that cars were continuing to to go under them, that the, the guards were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And because of that um, and the fact that one manufacturer actually then improved their guard and showed they could stop cars, uh, I became a mom on a mission to make truck crashes more survivable because I had survived and my son in the front seat survived because our part of the car did not go under the truck. The truck did not come into our space. And, and, and um, the, go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. And I was just going to say, uh, you know, you, you know, you're saying that you were on a mission and uh, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. are actually – uh, what, as it stands right now, what, what's kind of the feedback? You're, what, what, what's your feeling toward the industry itself? How, how from, from the time you started, you and Jerry and Lois, from the time you and Jerry, I guess we'll get with Lois, from the time mm-hmm. you started this mission to mm-hmm. today, how have you, do you see any positives coming from the industry? I know from the senators oh, yeah. and, and the government, but what about yeah. the industry, the trucking yeah. industry? Yes, well, um, immediately or within a few months, we actually, uh, with the Truck Safety Coalition, started visiting our representatives and senators and actually met with Secretary Fox to ask for improved under-eye protection. And then later that year, we started an online petition um, asking people to sign in with us, ask DOT to do that. But at the same time, Jerry started writing letters to the trailer manufacturers, asking them to voluntarily improve their guards. And he wrote letters to maybe 100 transport companies telling them about the Insurance Institute research and asking them to make sure that the trailers 
um, that they bought or leased were as safe as possible. And then we began to organize an underwrite roundtable to bring together the industry, the government, engineers, so that we could sit down around the table and solve the problem. And at that roundtable, which was three years after our crash, Jerry asked one of the manufacturers um, who had actually then improved their guard. He said, so why did you why did you improve it? And they said, because three of our customers that buy trailers from them bought, brought your letters to us and said, do something about this. So we, we have been encouraged by that, that um, positive response. Okay. And so, and, and Jerry, along with that, um, because we were looking through here, I mean, you have you have gotten encouragement not just from the NTSB or the N- NTSB, but from the DOT as well as congre- congressional leaders, including, as Marianne was saying, both the Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee members, House Transportation Infrastructure Committee members. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm glad there are some out there that are are seeing the importance in this. Jerry, like I said, you've got like a trucking background three three generations uh tell us a little bit more about y'all, you uh your your thoughts on uh, from the moment y'all began and where you are now and where where you believe you're headed and what's it looking like for you well uh, thank you for letting us be on it's a privilege and honor and uh, again my grandfather drove a truck professionally for his entire career my father drove a truck until he bought the gas station and uh, my twin brother was a truck driver, so you know I used to drive wow. a propane truck. So I understand oh. that I was a dispatcher for a fuel oil company. So you know I do have a background in it. I understand it, and it's it's been a real uh, humble process to tell people respond when you, you when you reach out to them and say, hey, we got a problem that's solvable. Let's solve it. And how many people have stepped up to help us get this problem resolved? And uh, I used to work for a pharmaceutical company, and we had a truck leave the dock every 26 minutes with life-saving medicine. And every one of those drivers I talked to were so wonderful and so encouraging and understood the situation. And, you know, a lot of them helped and signed the petition and stayed in contact and wanted to know how they can help. So it's it's very encouraging. And, you know, again, it's not against the, the owner-operator, the truck driver. It's a what I believe is a design flaw that we need to correct. We need to get this resolved and make the road safe because it impacts everybody. And, and I agree. And I had I had to uh, to mute Marianne's phone because I guess y'all were so close together getting little feedback. So I may have to do that from time to time. But but she's back on now. And um, I uh, you know and and I agree. Donna and I was talking about it earlier. You know, and having my background in trucking and everything. Uh, there's a lot of things thrown out there with the word safety in it that just drives me crazy. If I see something that I truly believe is about safety, and I was an owner-operator for many years as well, I personally don't care about the cost. That's just me. I mean, if it's truly about safety, and uh, that's one reason I kind of jumped on board with this. I'm just kind of right along there with everybody on this. Uh, Lois, let's get uh, let's get you back up here now. I know that you have a, a BA in communication with honors and a master's degree from the North Central College. Little little bit bio about you, and you know I I, I can't imagine what it's like to just 
continually talk about what had to be the biggest tragedy in your life. I don't even know how I could get through it, but I'm focusing on, I know you're all on a mission, and that is why we're doing this show, to get that out. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what happened, and uh, how you see where where things are going since you started to up to today. Thank you so much, Alan and Donna, for having us on today and uh, allowing us this time just to talk about our tragedies and what we're doing about it. Um, My daughter, Roya, she had just finished college, gotten engaged, and was just starting her life. Uh, She she was traveling for Thanksgiving with her fiancé who was driving, and they were going about 30, 35 minutes, 30 to 35 miles an hour. Her fiance was driving. And it was in an area where um, there was a lot of lake effect snow coming down. Um, he was, as I said, driving very slowly. And the car slid under the side of the semi-tractor trailer. The, uh, it was on her side. The rear wheel of the trailer basically pinned the car down as it was traveling and the driver felt a little bump. I know a lot of times when there's a car underneath the trailer, the drivers can't feel that there's a car there other than just a little bump. Um, When the trailer, tractor trailer came to a stop, um, my daughter's uh, life was gone because she had been crushed uh, in her passenger seat. She had her seatbelt on and she had no place to go. And um, it is the worst tragedy any parent can ever face. I uh, spent many, many years just trying to make sense of it. And I know that it is something that's happening on a regular basis. And that's why I joined with the Karth family because, you know, we, we are families on a mission so that other um, individuals won't have to go through this. The underwrite tragedy has been going on for like 49 years that I know of since probably before that. Um, so it's, you know, we felt like it's time to do something about it. The technology is available and it's time to make a difference. Well, yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, what's interesting, and Don, I, I want you to jump in here in a little bit and let's get started on. Um, the facts, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, I, I, you may have that list. I can't find it, but, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to point out real quick and, and there was a patent for a side protective device for street cars that was issued back in 1896. And so, uh, uh this, this thing really goes back uh, uh, you know, quite a while. In, in 1913, an application was filed for a patent for a safety device for motor vehicles to provide underride protection for the sides of large trucks. So now we're going back to 1913. 1969, DOT published a document for rear underride proposed rulemaking on the Federal Register on March 19, 1969, indicating that they anticipated that the proposed standard will be amended. Uh, after technical studies had been completed to extend the requirement for underride protection to the size of large vehicles. 1977, an uh, Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Crash Test Research illustrates uh, the ineffectiveness of 1953 rear underride guards. 1977, also a Senate hearing leads to new calls for stronger underride protections. 
and in 1996, Volvo began manufacturing trucks with front underrun protection in 96. And, uh, and, and Donna Volvo, you also said that um, these are being used right now in all over Europe and Australia, right? Um, I believe that's for the, the front guards, which we'll get into later, right? The front uh, underguards, they're already mandated in, okay, um, in Europe. In Europe and Australia? Yep. Yep. Yes, Australia yeah. too, right, right. Okay. Well, let's get into some of those talking points specifically from OIDA and things like that. I think you have that, Donna, so I'm just going to turn it over to you for a minute while I look. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> Um, I guess we can start there because these seem to be some of the controversial topics um, that people who oppose underride guard, uh, the underride guard mandate uh, before. And I think the number on here um, is a statement. And, and I'm just reading this off of um, a white and it would be the National Highway Traffic Safety Admin, um, NHTSA, has considered numerous proposed rules involving underrides over the last 40 years, uh, but consistently concluded a mandate would be impractical and the costs associated with implementation would far outweigh any safety benefit. Now, there's a lot wrong with that statement. And um, we've all discussed uh, a couple of times prior to this show um, this. And I'm going to, um, you know, let you talk about how the data is collected and what the DOT said uh, about the statistics and uh, go on from there in order to say how this statement um, isn't entirely true. I'll put it that way. It's not a totally false statement, but it, it's because of the data that was collected. So, who wants to take this one? Yeah. So, what what would what have y'all found out through your research? I mean, basically, it is that uh, uh, the NHTSA is saying they've concluded that a mandate like this is impractical, and the costs associating with implementing it would far outweigh any safety benefits. Who would like to start first? Marianne, let's start with you first, I guess. Uh, your reaction to that, what what has your research found? Okay, well, in general, the NHTSA has done cost-benefit analysis and concluded that it was not cost-effective. The problem is that, as you were saying, that it's based on flawed data. And the first most simple way of saying that is that what they have for underwrite data is from reports that get sent from all the states to them and get listed in what is called the FARZAD, it's Fatality Analysis Reporting System. And we have seen ourselves um, looking at our, the reports of our own crashes as well as through many studies that have been done over the years, that underrides are very underreported, and partially just because um, many people don't understand what an underride is, they don't realize that that's what it happens often in a truck crash, and because the reports, the crash reports, 
which are different in each state, often don't do not include even a checkbox for underwrite. Uh, Lois, did you want to add to that? Yeah. 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 Because go ahead, Lois, because I know you have. Go ahead. Yeah, there's some there's inconsistency in the police reporting, Um, and as Marianne had stated, that from state to state or county to county, that many um, many police reports don't even have a checkbox for underride, or if they do, if it's side or rear or front, and so. that that's that's definitely a, been a big problem is collecting data. Um, so, uh, well, the, in my daughter's well, case, in, in in my daughter's case, um, uh-huh. hers her car it was her passenger side it was on the left side of the trailer, and when I got the FARS report, um, when it said passenger compartment intrusion, I uh, there was zero. And um, there's evidence that, you know, her car was under the trailer because her hair was actually on the tire of the, the rear tire of the, um, of the trailer. So that was incorrect. And I just met Marianne about a year ago, and we started comparing notes. And so we've got two out of two reports wrong. And so we know that there are many other reports that um, it hasn't been reported correctly. Yes, for example, in when we, when we saw the fires report for our crash, it listed uh, one for for Georgia in 2013 one underwrite crash, just one. And I know that I had two daughters who died, so just right there, I know that it's wrong. And Jerry, well, um, well, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the DOT has actually stated that there is um, a significant um, under, uh, what would you call it, under-reporting of under, under-ride. Uh, yeah, under-ride, uh, under-ride deaths that are undercounted. Um, we have heard that from them, and they know that that's an issue. And in the FARS report, um, it's they're saying about, 4,000 fatalities between cars and trucks every year, and about 4% are underwrite fatalities. That's what the FARS data says. However, there's been other studies out there that have said it's more like 27 to 50%, which means yes. somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 deaths per year. I mean, even if you took the, um, how could I put it, under uh what's the word I'm looking for? Help me. Under reported and took that four percent number, that still comes to almost two hundred. And it does. that's you know, and which is not a small number. That's still a lot. No, it's not. And the thing of it is is we 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 started doing calculation on that. So we know that when they started talking about putting uh side underride Um, on in the Federal Register in 1969, Um, if you just take the smallest number, 200 on the side and 200 on the rear, that's about 20,000 souls since 1969. And we know that number number. is, in actuality, much more. Right. Right. And that's my point. I mean, 
So even if you took their um, flawed number, which everybody agrees mm-hmm. that because of the way things are reported, um, you know, that it's not it's not accurate, um, that's 20,000 people is a lot of people. And when we yeah. start talking about, you know, uh, blaming and, well, it's whose fault. You know what? Who cares whose fault it is? Okay? Agreed. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a significant problem, and now we have to discuss how to fix it. And, you know, should drivers, you know, have better training? Well, we've been saying a long time that when you get your license, you should learn, you know, how to drive around a truck. And CDL training, how the veteran drivers out there are, are, are livid for the way the CDL mills, you know, put out new drivers. So they would agree with that. And distracted driving, sure, that needs to be enforced. But one thing I looked at, which I found very interesting, the same amount of deaths come every year, even up till the time when distracted driving occurred. So and when I say the same amount, the underride, the average underrides every year. So, you know, you go back to 2004, um, side plus rear, there was 100. And this is with with the flawed data. Okay, uh, 165 they came out to. So you figure it's a lot more than that. And when you look at 214, you know, it's it's not much different. So, yeah, all these things need to be corrected. But in the meantime, what's going to be done? And since we already know what the um, what happens during um, uh, an, an underride crash, then I think those things need to be addressed. So anyway, um, Alan, you want to go on with the rest of the list? of Because um, we're just hitting, for everybody who's just jumping on right now, and this is the um, oppose underride guard mandate talking points that OIDA put out. And we just want to, for everybody's benefit, for them, maybe, you know, this will be um, news for them also, uh, to uh, hit each point, talking point, one by one. And hopefully, um, I think it would be very, very informational and educational. Um, we even had a, a, a representative from OIDA on to discuss some of these things also later on. But um, what's the next Donna? one, Alan? Donna? Yes. Could I just Hello? summarize? Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Lois. It, it, was, it was Marianne. Oh, okay, um, I Marianne. just wanted to I just wanted to summarize that what we were talking about was that NHTSA has in the past done cost-benefit analysis that showed it would not be cost-effective. I just wanted to yes. make again the point that why we were talking so much about the underreporting of the uh, under-eye deaths is that uh, the more deaths that uh, there are that lowers the cost um, per life saved when you're looking at the cost benefit analysis. Right. So if, I know what if, you're if they had about. had accurate data, then they probably would not have um, said it's not cost effective. Right. The data is all, it's all about the data. And uh, I want to bring up one more thing about that. And I'm glad you said that because of this, 
um, NHTSA is actually um, doing another study, and um, uh, Lois and Marianne were in Washington this week to uh, meet the deputy administrator, and I guess because of the weather, um, yes. it didn't work out. That's right. And, and they will be making public the results of this new study they have. So hopefully the new study will shed some light um, on this dilemma that we have with the flawed data. Yeah, and Donna, you and I through the years, I mean, we've seen a lot of flawed data and everything. And, you know, and I don't know if anybody touched on it. I don't remember hearing it. But, I mean, the the NHTSA, they do the rulemaking. And I think someone had mentioned that the DOT had determined that, you know, this undercounted. Uh, you spoke about the NHTSA, the 4%. Even at 4%, that would be 100 deaths per, 180 deaths per year. But the ITHS, Donna, they that they estimated the uh, the count to be 27 to 50%. Correct? That's what that's what exactly what Lois was just saying. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm kind yeah, of breaking the, in and out. It's a study that we had looked at that actually was done um, in 1997. And um, basically what they said is that uh, it's actually 27 to 50%. And then we were in, Marianne and I were in the Insurance Institute uh, for Highway Safety office in Washington last week. And um, I specifically asked about what the numbers were. And according, you know, they look at the FARS data too, and, and they make their own calculations. And they said that it's at least 400 on, on rear, 400 on side, so that's like 800. So, I mean, the data okay. is, is it's not good data anywhere. It's, it's, it's low and it's high, and, and nobody really knows for sure. But we know that it is much higher than, um, than you know, 400 it's, on each you know, rear and side. And then, Lois, that's not even counting the front. Doesn't even count. It doesn't even count to front. We just know a lot of people are dying, and there's a, a solution uh, to prevent this from happening. The crash may not be preventable, but um, the deaths are by putting protection around the trailer. And, Lois, you mentioned deaths. I want to just emphasize as well that some people do survive with uh, life-changing, debilitating injuries. And that's not even included in the, the count of the under-eye deaths. Right, right. The catastrophic okay. injuries, correct. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that if we if we really had some, you know, very accurate um, numbers, I, I think that it, they'd be really startling to a lot of people. So we have to just yeah. work with the numbers that we do have. But, but this is the thing. And, this is the thing that we know enough are dying that something needs to be done about it. Right. And, you and know, they can, they can figure the rest out later. But I think there's an urgency, and I know that the Cars family, they know it and I know it just because we've lost children this way. And I had no idea what underride was um, as well. So we know enough people are dying out there underneath trailers that it's time to do something about it. Oh, and just so everybody knows, and I know I think you mentioned it before, but all three of your children were not uh, categorized as underride. So that's three out of three right there. So Lord only knows how many others aren't put down 
as an underwrite fatality. Um, Correct. So there's an example right there. Um, so their second thing is research indicating underwrite guards would reduce crash severity and fatality uh, is lacking. Well, this is ex- exactly what we're talking about. So well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just to jump in here real quick, and then I, you know, I'd like to get Jerry's thoughts too on some of this. The um, doesn't that statement contradict the previous statement, Donna? Well, I thought it did, unless there there because the, the previous sta- the previous statement is a mandate would would be impractical, and the the costs associated with it would far outweigh any safety benefit. guard would reduce crash severity and fatalities is lacking, and current crash statistics are imprecise due to inadequate reporting. So. Right. Those two statements are kind of contradicting, aren't they? Well, they're they're pretty much saying that the the numbers are faulty, so which kind of um, scratches number one that their um, conclusions for the cost would not benefit, um, you know, outweigh the safety benefits. So that's one and two. So we've we've hit those two. And I'm just going to read it because I noticed your phone. I think our landline is is on our way out. I, you're going in and out, Alan. So. Um, and, okay, go ahead. All right. While um, most underwrite crashes do not involve intrusion of the passenger compartment, sudden impact with a high strength underwrite guard could fully crush an automobile causing severe injuries or fatalities, um, which is a two-part two part statement. Number one, they're saying that um, the underride crashes do not involve intrusion of the passenger compartment. And from the data I've looked at, um, it looks like it does. It, it, it does include intrusion of the passenger compartment. I'm looking at a, um, a well, FARS... You know- Hey, 29 years on the road, I saw many cars completely under the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even understand that statement at all. I, I've lost count of how many I've seen. <laughs> well, the um, I, I guess it, we have to get some more data on that because the one I looked at, and, I, you know, I'd like to see a link or something to the data uh that they are saying that most underride crashes do not involve intrusion of the passenger compartment. So let's let's start with that one. Based um, based on I, the current based on the current data, which they're also saying more data is going to going to be needed. Right. Um, so what what do you have, guys? I mean, you have the same data I'm looking at from FARS, or um, do most of the underride crashes involve intrusion of the passenger compartment as far as what you've seen? Yeah. Jerry, ju- Jerry, jump on in here. Uh, I tell you what, okay. these women will take over if you let them. So it's only me okay. and you, buddy. we got to stick together. If you, if you look at the uh, website from IHS, the video up there of the sideguard crash, uh-huh. I mean, that's a perfect example, one with and one without, right? The one without right. the car, you know, the car goes up to the end of the, uh, you know, the driver's seat. You know, that's passenger compartment intrusion. And the exactly. one with, it stops it. So, but I mean, what about the data, I, I, though? Have, have you seen data on this? Um, it says here that while most underwrite crashes do not involve intrusion 
uh, of the pasture compartment. And looking at something that understand how it can stop intrusion when a, when the bottom of the truck is 41 inches off the ground, and the cars, the midsize car is 33 inches. What we think is going to happen? Right. No, I I, uh, I get your point. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Kevin, you know, there was some kind of research link or something like that that was, and 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 you know, from what I'm looking at, uh, it's a comparison of IIHS and NHTSA analysis of FARS truck crash fatalities, 2005 to 2015, and uh, to me, it, it looks like there's. Um, uh, about 30, 40, 50%. So, uh, right. Know, I, I, I mean, that's, that's what that data shows you. Right. So, um, Donna? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I have a simple question here. I would like okay. to see what research they are talking about because I have not seen anything that, that they have, um, you know, included in their uh, literature um, that shows this research that says it doesn't involve it. So I, I'd like to see that because that's not, I don't believe that's accurate at all. Okay. If you look at the car, you know, passenger car, and you think about it going underneath a trailer and because that mismatch in terms of the bumper height, I mean, it is, it's, it's very easy to understand that there's going to be passenger compartment intrusion because it shears off the top of the car. Marianne and I just did a picture story, a, a recent um, just a graphic art thing that we did. And the first picture was Jane Mansfield's car, 1966. Yeah. Is that correct, Marianne? And um, and then we showed cars all the way through to 2017, uh, and the cars all look the same. And the reason that is is because none of that safety equipment, although cars are safer now, passenger cars are safer, and they have all the um, safety equipment and the crumple zones and airbags and seatbelts, none of that stuff engages when you go underneath the trailer. And so right. – um, Yes, there's any time it goes under the trailer. It's not the crash that kills. It's it's most cases it's the underride. And there was a guy at IHS that recently said it's better to hit a brick wall than to go underneath the trailer. You have more chances of survival because of the safety equipment in cars. Yeah, I would I would agree. The um... Okay, okay, Jerry. I barely heard you. Did you have something you needed to say too? No, no. Oh, okay. Okay, so well, next, Donna. The uh, I guess that all comes into the economic impact that they're arguing about. The economic impact of another federal mandate. It would be massive, especially for you know the small trucking businesses. So, I guess they're estimating. it, you know, it, it would just be devastating. What have what have y'all found out through your research as far as the economic economic impact? Who was that, Donna? I I, I just wanted to to finish the second half of that other one before we go on. Oh, they're okay. stating that the sudden impact with a high strength underride guard, meaning something that could withstand greater than thirty five that's on there now on the rear guard. 
um, sudden high-strength underguard could fully crush an automobile, causing severe injuries or fatalities. And um, um, Lois, you were saying an interesting story to us before about the guy who just got in an accident with an upgraded rear underguard who was going 50 miles an hour and who walked away. So, Yeah. Um, Would you like me to talk had, about that story? Yes. Yeah, sure. because that was a, a company that actually did upgrade without a mandate, right. which a lot of people are doing now uh, just for safety's uh, sake. And that's, I was my eyes were opened when I heard that. Yeah. So this is um, an actual case. It was uh, actually March 2nd, 2017. Uh, Stoughton Trailers have um, put on this new rear guard as standard, their new upgraded rear guard that will also help not only with, um, you know, uh, front crashes or middle crashes. I don't know what it's called uh, when, when a car hits directly into the, um, rear of a trailer, but also it, it will also help with um, preventing underride in the offset crashes, which is the outer limits of the guard in the back. So they've been offering this particular guard um, with no weight penalty, no additional cost. And March 2nd, 2017, um, there were icy road conditions and uh, tractor trailer had stopped um, Terry Rivet was driving behind the trailer, couldn't stop. He went into the guard, rear guard, about 50 miles an hour and uh, survived. He walked away, and Stoughton did a big uh, media uh, blitz on that because it was very impressive that, you know, he could hit that guard and walk away. Whereas in January of 2018 in New York, just this past January, um, there was a multi-car pileup in New York because of blizzard-like conditions, and the only fatality was somebody who hit the rear end of a trailer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and if, it, if it had been if it had been a Stoughton guard like Terry Rivet the year before, he quite likely sure. would have survived. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and he said he was going uh, 50 miles an hour. 50 miles an hour. Yeah. So um, I guess there's going to be testing. We'll be talking about it, Bill. I guess we got to move quite along if we're going to hit all these these things. Um, Here's one. May I just just say one more thing? With regards to the side underride that the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety have been doing, that they've been doing, uh, they've done two crash tests. One was, um, it's a 90-degree angle, which is the T-bone, which is the worst kind of side under ride. And um, one was at 35 miles an hour last March 2017. And then they did mm-hmm. another one at, uh, at the end of August 2017 at 40 miles an hour. And both of them were very ex- successful. No passenger compartment intrusion they had. The dummy all wired up to see if there would be any injuries, and um, whoever was in those cars would have survived. Okay, wonderful. It's, you know, I mean, I've seen the videos, and, and if you want to see the videos, go to askthetrucker.com. It's the feature article. Um, I think, is it the feature article? I, I think it is. I don't think we wrote yeah, anything past 
No, no, I'll be writing. I'll be starting a new uh, blog tonight about this, including this show. It'll be live tomorrow. But if they go to askthetrucker.com, Donna, right now, it's the very first one. Okay, on the bottom of the article are a lot of videos. I can't say every single video because there's, you know, a hundred of them out there, but very important videos at the bottom of the article as well as some links to some very informational uh, uh, and educational things and with a lot of stats. And I think, I think we, you know, we need to keep our eye on, on whatever stats we, we can we can. Uh, I know we're lacking in a lot of them, but they, the links do show a lot of great um, information and, and statistics. Now, Alan, this is one, and um, it says installing heavy guards would displace a trailer's payload. Um, it, does that mean to compensate for the loss of capacity? It's going, if you put something on the outside of the truck, Alan, and you would know this because, I mean, you did this a long time. Does it displace what's inside the trailer? Well, what they're talking about, the payload, I mean, anytime you add weight to the vehicle, it's, it's going to increase the payload, which means you could you, you might have to haul lesser weight. I mean, right now the gross is 80,000 pounds. So, I mean, if you add something that weighs 1,000 pounds, uh, you're going to have to cut that down to 79,000. So they're talking about the payload. So uh, that's that's one of the things that the, that that uh, specifically owner operators, independent truck, the trucking industry in general, guys, uh, they're going to look at that displacement of the trailer payload by adding this extra weight. So, and they they believe to compensate for the loss of the capacity, more trucks would be needed to move the same amount of freight and pressure to increase minimum weight allowances would intensify. So more uh, more and or uh, heavier trucks on the road would undoubtedly de- decrease highway safety. Uh, that That's their thoughts. So what do you, what do you find okay. out about that? We've got some good news. We've got some good news for you. The okay. uh, legislators have said they are very open to the idea of a weight exemption. Oh, wonderful. That's what, that's okay. what uh, Alan was saying earlier, but I didn't know that, where that, that was, was. Well, I mean, that was my first thought. I mean, they did that with the uh, APU, right? Right. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, so if they can do it with the APU, uh, why can't they do it with this? And how, how, much, how much would these weigh? How, what is the weight on these, these guys? What, what have you found out? Well, the current... Uh, side guard that is on the market now. It's called Angel Wing. Mm-hmm. The initial product was 800 pounds, and they're working on making it lighter. And Wabash Trailers is working on their own side guard prototype. They've said that it will be at least 300 pounds lighter than that. And um, Okay, also, is, 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 is that is that five hundred to eight hundred pounds total? I mean, both sides or one, yes. or per side? Total, both sides. The eight hundred is okay. for the two, the both sides. Mm-hmm. Okay, eight hundred pounds. Okay, I mean, I don't see, I don't see why they're just uh, an a weight exemption is just 
I don't see a problem in that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we got that one down. Well, I mean, well, you know, that's our thoughts. I mean, the, the, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to add that, you know, we know like any other new technology that as time progresses and, you know, um, there's a lot of ingenuity out there that the, the cost of the guards and the weight of the guards will come down significantly. Um, I used this example today, and I was using it last week, that if you think about flat-screen TVs, I, I think I paid for my first television $3,000, you know, a lot of years ago. Now they're about $200. And we expect the same thing. We also expect that, you know, it's going to create an industry. There's going to be more job creation because of, of the guards. So it's going to be a win-win for everyone. And the thing that is... Have we even, have we even, no, go ahead. Well, the, the, the thing of it is, this is a problem that is fixable. As Jerry likes to say, it's not rocket science. And if we give engineers the green light to put their minds to it, because engineers, that's what they're about. They see a problem, they, they figure out how to fix it. And for example, there's an, engineer in North Carolina that's been working on, he's a crash reconstructionist, so he sees lots of under-eye deaths, and he's working on a side guard that uses polyester webbing, so it's even more lightweight. So, you know, we we can, this is a problem that we can solve, and we we can make it work to be a win-win. Absolutely. And and that... Saying that, I would just touch on real quick this other challenge that they say for truckers, Donna, the uh, little consideration has been given to the impact uh, these guards would have on daily operations of truckers. They give it examples of, of create challenges for trucks navigating grade crossings, high curves, and other road conditions. Uh, I, I mean, I saw that just the other day. Just a, a, a regular a driver pulling just a regular hopper got stuck trying to get through a regular driveway off of Highway 40 over here. So my first thought on that, as I told you, Donna, was just what uh, I think, believe that was Marianne that just mentioned. Uh, the engineers are going to take all that into consideration, I believe. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's, that, that's the answer I have for that. I mean, I, I just don't know if I go along with that at all. What, ha, what have you all heard or researched about, about that part? And then I want to get back into the, uh, the cost again. I think Jerry has the info on that one. Okay, Jerry, go ahead. What what what's the research you found on that? Uh, I mean, I'm just talking from a trucker point of view. What what have you found out about that? Well, the, well, the guard is 16 inches above the ground. Mm-hmm. That's what it okay. hangs. So, I mean, you're talking that if you're going to hit a curb or a grade over a foot high, I mean, I'm going to blame the driver. I mean, right? I mean, you yeah, don't go over I something wouldn't be go- that's uh, a foot. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, work. I wouldn't it be going. Work in my book. Yeah, I mean that 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 argument. When I first heard that argument, I I just found it to be kind of silly in a way because I I just mm-hmm. think the engineers are the the engineers are going to figure all that out. And again, um, th- this this was a this was a normal normal little driveway off of Highway 40 right over here in Ocala, Florida, and the guy was trying to pull in. He just had a regular hopper trailer and bottomed out right in the middle of the trailer. And uh, so, I mean, it, 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 it can happen now, and it does happen now. And when these, under, when these underrides go on, I, I just 
I logically think that well, the engineers are just going to take that and take that into account. Right, the engineer who designed Angel Wings is, is from Florida, Seven Hills Engineering, very founder. And you know, again, there might be one that goes over to 16 inches, but it's mm-hmm. kind of doubtful. I mean, just if you think about it, you'd be ripping off the bottom of a car. So, right, I, I'm looking at it going, you know, it, it's no issue kind of thing. It's just put out there, and this. These things are in, you know, work right now. They're on trucks on the highway right now. There's a company that runs from Cleveland to Dallas constantly and continually with it on his trucks, and he's not having any issues, and he's not complaining. So, you know, we know it's been there. It's been durability tested. It's not an issue. I, okay. I agree, and I think that they are they are reaching for for something that that, that just isn't there. Yep. We were talking about the the economic impact. Uh, we talked about the payload. Um, one of the one of the most important things to truckers, the owner operators, the independent contractors, the trucking industry as a whole, is always cost. What's it going to cost? Um, what have y'all found out? Of, let's let's talk about the cost. What would be the cost of the the side guards or rear guards. What have y'all found out on that? And before we go on with that, I think an interesting stat that um, you were all discussing earlier with us was the cost that the FMCSA has stated that each fatality cost, what is it, um, um, it comes to $4.8 billion a year. Well, that's that's what I'm leading up to. Oh, okay. You're way over there, but I can still see you, and you're still in my thunder. <laughs> so that, that's, that's what I'm leading up to. I will close this door so I can't see you. But, yeah, let's, let, let's get into that. I mean, because, listen, hey, cost, cost is important. I mean, I was an owner-operator. Cost is important, and that's the first thing they're going to ask. Well, what's it going to cost me? So let's compare the cost of these side rails, the cost of the uh, rear guards, and eventually the cost of the front guards compared to what they could save overall. God forbid there was an underride crash, the driver's fault, the trucking company's fault, and there was a fatality. Who wants to take it? The rear guard retrofit. It's approximately five hundred dollars, from what we understand. That's a rear. That's the rear. That's the rear. Five hundred, okay. Under five hundred. If I look at Oida's talking point, they said it was fifteen sixty. So that gives me what two grand? No, no, that was. That's for the side. The side underride would cost fifteen sixty per trailer. Fifteen sixty. If you add the, if you add the five hundred retrofit. Of the rear underguard, it comes to two thousand per trailer right. for both sides under uh, underguards and the retrofit. So that's two thousand dollars per trailer is the cost. Okay. So, so we, this is what we know. Um, we know that um, if it's an older trailer that um, they can take the guards off and put it on a newer newer trailer. 
We know that um, the IRS code 179 allows um, for deductions of safety equipment up to a million dollars. We know that the fuel efficiency skirt is going to just um, help with the return of investment. Uh, Marianne, you want to talk any more about that? Oh, hold on. Are you there, Marianne? Yeah, Yeah. go ahead, Marianne. Yes, as as, uh, I forget who said it, but but, um, the for example, the Stolten rear guard that they put on their new one, they did it were able to do it at no ADA added weight and no cost penalty. So for that, the rear guard wasn't going to cost anything at all. So yeah, it's, as we've said, an average of maybe two thousand per trailer, and we see we've we've already talked about the weight exemption that is potentially going to be available, fuel right. savings. It, uh, many of them, uh, like the angel wing, you can combine it with a side skirt, so there will be fuel savings. Um, there will be the, Lois mentioned, the Section 179 tax deduction. Um, mm-hmm. And then as well, there will be likely, we're hoping that insurance companies will take a look at this and because there will be, increased or decreased risk, insurance risk, um, hopefully that it may is you know, impact their insurance premium. So we're, you know, thinking that right. Yeah. Yeah, that should go down. So right. so so if you're looking at five hundred dollars for the rear, fifteen sixty for the mm-hmm. side, you're talking two thousand sixty dollars for the trailer. Compared yeah. to what have y'all found out to be the cost involved in an underride crash uh, resulting in a fatality compared to the 2060 per trailer. Well, FMCSA, um, there was a study in 2013 citing that the insurance cost for one fatality under a truck cost an average of $5.8 million, and a severe injury cost $1.2 million. So uh, with an average of 178 fatal crashes of this type annually, that gets calculated out for the industry at, it's even hard to read mathematically, I guess it's uh, 1,030,400, basically. Well, okay, I missed it. If I missed it, listeners missed it. What was it? A little over 1 billion. A A little over 1 billion. Yeah, I had I had calculated 4.8 billion, but okay. my math. Well, how how did you what did you calculate? Um. Well, I don't have. I had you know scrambled some some notes. Um. Okay. Oh. Well, that's okay. But but that figure came. That figure came from from where, Marianne? Well, that was the one I was saying was in a federal motor carrier. Um, okay. We're, we're saying the cost for a death. I, I think what maybe, Donna, what you were talking about was what we had um, tried to estimate the other day about what it would cost the industry. 
um, for okay. for putting on um, you know on all the existing trucks and, and new trucks. I mean, this is you know I, I I'm curious actually to find out. Um, are we talking about um, in terms of owner operators? Do you know how many own their own trailers and how many lease them? Um, I don't have that figure. I don't, I don't know if you have that figure. Um, how many actually uh, I used own to, them? Yeah, I used to, but it's been so. I would I would want to uh, to research it again and have a you know have have a current number. I don't want to throw out a number that's ten years old. Right. Okay, so so the, I guess the, the what what costs are we trying to figure out here? Well, I think the owner operators are very concerned about their costs. I'm I'm sure the um, the large fleets are also, um, but if you want to break it down to per trailer, um, I think the 1560 and then the 500 ret- retrofit for the rear guard, I think two thousand dollars is a fair number. Uh, to say it would cost uh, an owner operator, do you agree, Alan? I mean, that's that's a pretty fair yeah, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the numbers we have, and I guess if we look at the right. overall industry, I mean, I mean, there's a whole lot more company drivers than there are owner operators and independents. So, I mean, I would be more interested in the uh, the motor carriers. You know, overall. They're the ones. They're the they're the biggest ones that are going to have to take the impact of the cost. So I mean, would they want to uh, to to shell out you know two grand per trailer compared to going to court and defending uh, one of their drivers for a fatality? I mean, two thousand dollars compared to you know millions of dollars in court fees. I mean, to me, it's a no brainer. Yeah, and not only that. Well, not only that, but you know, um, they're dealing with their um, the drivers now. First of all, I mean, I'm putting myself in a driver's position who knows that they were involved, whether it's their fault or not. I would think that it's a very difficult thing to live with. Number one. Uh, Number two is. Um, a fatality, you know, it's it's going to go on their um, PSP and the, they're an owner-operator. It's a CSA and, um, you know, these are points. And in um, some cases, the drivers lose their CDL. So mm-hmm. um, <coughs> there's... Well, even with all that said, Donna... Even with all that said, looking at it from a driver's point of view, the greatest impact to me would be living with the emotional impact. And and I think I think a lot of drivers have and and continue yep. uh, to go through that. Um, you we, had put a thread up on Facebook um, about a month ago, and and I I was reading through it um, yesterday. And it looks like there was a couple of drivers, and I have to go back and just reiterate uh, all this, but um, it looks like a couple of drivers did deal with that. So, um, you well, know. We've known, I, a, we've known a few drivers since we've been doing this that, that have been involved in these kind of crashes who left the industry completely. Yeah, they, it, that's mm-hmm. true. 
Right. So they just, you know. Well, I I look at uh, every time we go to uh, an office in Washington, D.C., we talk about this win-win, and we talk about how it's to the driver's benefit. Um, Just take our crash, for example. If it had been, if there had been strong underwrite protection and there was this truck crash that, 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 you know, the truck hit us, but if there had not been fatality, then the investigation would not have taken so long. Um, you know, cars right. were backed up for hours on the road. This truck had to be off the road. The, you know, a driver could get back on and go back to the business uh, much sooner. And it, it, would, it would have been a whole different scenario if it was a, simply a truck crash and not a fatality. And I, you know, I think mm-hmm. that that it, I've said before that I am on a mission, a mom on a mission to make truck crashes more survivable. That not only affects would have affected me and our family and my daughters, but it would have affected that truck driver who hit us. Right. He would not right. have been lived with a fatality, two fatalities. Right. Previously, you were talking about the cost being around $2,000, and I just have to point out one more time that, you know, that's what it is now. But as we move forward in this process, it's going to – everything's going to be lower. We know that Wabash has their prototype, and it's going to be 300 pounds less and much less cost. And so that would be deducted from that 2000 whatever it's going to end up uh, being. So, and there'll be other companies, and I know that there are other um, trailer manufacturers that are working on uh, side under ride. So, and wait, and as Marianne and I both pointed out, Stoughton did it for no weight penalty, no additional cost. So we know that $2,000 number is going to significantly uh, – uh, go down as time progresses. And um, the human toll here, you know, the cost to the families and to the drivers is um, immeasurable because when you lose a child, it is with you forever. And I know the Carr family will say the same thing. It's not just me, but all of uh, my daughter's siblings, they have suffered for years and they still suffer the loss of, of their sister as I do my daughter. So, um, and then the truck driver, I actually know firsthand that he suffered because of what happened. And um, I did have a conversation with him and did not hold him responsible. The responsibility is with the truck design where cars can actually go underneath of it year after year. And that's what we're trying to fix. Right. 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 And, um, Let's. Um, I know there. I know there's the their concern. You know, getting back with the owner operator. How many owns their own trailers and the, this? I mean, they're uh, the the number is very minimal. I mean, I believe. I mean, most owner operators are leased through their motor carriers, which the motor carrier owns a trailer. You're really true independent owner operator those men and women out there the really true independent ones they they they'll have their trailers but that number is very few i would still say your majority are that they they have the tractor the company has the trailer uh bringing up this front 
this front underride guard. That would directly affect the owner-operator, the independent. I mean, that would directly affect them because that goes on their tractor. Uh, let's touch on that a little bit. I mean, some one of the challenges, they brought up the front underride equipment. It said, they saying that it is currently not on the market because the concept lacks any practicality. Well, we know that it's on the market in Europe and Australia. And so the argument is nobody is certain how this equipment would look, what operational challenges it would present, how it would impact safety, and what it would cost. Um, well, before we what? even go there, I, I just want to say about the bill. The bill doesn't um, – the bill calls for research on front uh, front yeah, under that, – that's what I was leading up to, yeah. Okay. Well, um, because a lot of people are confused about this, about the front underwrite. It's calling for research, and um, Jerry explained to us earlier today that if it's not technically feasible or cost feasible, that a retrofit would not be part of the mandate um, and that only the actual um, manufacturer of the trucks, and that would mean new trucks, would absorb that in, the, in their manufacturing of a, new, um, of a new truck. So really owner-operators wouldn't have to do anything about uh, a front underguard. And um, as far as we spoke about, Europe is doing just fine with the front underguards. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about that, Jerry. You seem to um, have the data on that. Volvo came out with their patent in 1989, and in 1993, the UN and EU, uh, United Nations and the European Union, mandated front underride guards on trucks of 10,000 pounds or more, actually, it's in kilograms over there. But, you know, they've had it since '93. It's on all their trucks. It's, you know, part of the mandate for the rest of the world that we didn't uh, do yet. So it's really straightforward. I mean, if you went overseas to mow a Volvo tractor, you'd have it. It's the same tractor that we buy here, only without the bumper. It's, it's the same thing. You get it on okay. uh, Mercedes-Benz, Dahmer, International overseas. It's the same situation. Right. And um, as far as that being included in the mandate, that would be up to the manufacturer. And, yep. uh, again, uh, NITS is going to do um, uh, research to see if it's even feasible to do a retrofit. Uh, right. And if it's not, then people would just have to wait for the new tractors to come out with that front right. under guard. Okay, so we've hit that. Um, anything else you want to add about that? I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. It appears straightforward to me. I mean, it's you know, it's already being done in other nations. Let's just move along and get it done. I, okay. I'd like to just point out from your uh, article in the blog. Yeah, I was glad that you made note that of underwrite crashes. 57% involved the front of the truck. 
And that's yeah. why we wanted that included in the bill because people are dying, not just at the rear or the sides, but in the front as well. It's for everybody, you know, matter of fact, um, there is a lot of data in that article for anybody who, um, you know, it likes data. And it's, um, I, don't, I forgot the name of the article, Unknown Facts About Underrides or something like that. Um, but if you read it and you really want to, um, you know, get lost in data, um, there's a lot of them in that article. And at the oh, Donna, I think we lost you. Uh, well, I can't hear you. No, you're still up here, but I can't hear you. Nope, still can't hear you. Uh, so I don't know what's going on with your phone. Uh, can't do it, huh? No, no, I'm not hearing you. So, but yeah, try that phone. Hello. Yeah. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Well, I can't hear anybody. Oh no, no, it says uh, no, it says you dropped. Marianne, can you still hear us? I I'm I'm here. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Donna, you just you just dropped off, so just call back call back in on that. So, well, I wanted to touch on the on the front guard because that was uh, we had some you know drivers that was interested in that and everything. And was uh, that was one thing because it did touch them, you know, individually if they were owner operated that it it did go on their truck. So, and even then that would be a long long uh, long time away. Way out. Let me see if. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, way out. So I don't even think that's a concern. Mm-hmm. There we go. Don't think that's a concern. But I'll get Donna back here so she can finish her thoughts, and then we'll be winding it down. And uh, Donna, go ahead. I think you're can back. Can you with hear me now? Can we you can hear, hear you now. Yep. We can hear okay. you. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. Um, I was trying to get back on, and I'm trying to find my. That's the problem with having too many being be, being overly prepared. I guess you would call it. You end up with so many notes. Um, I think I left them in here. Yeah, I did. Let's see. Oh, Alan, this one's for you, because I have no idea what what they're talking about. Uh, spread axle trailers are commonly used in the trucking industry in order to better distribute weight, providing a safer and legal loading option. Side underride guards could restrict the use of such axle tandem movements, hindering the operational efficiency and safety of the trailer and the load it's carrying. So that's about the axle and tandems on the back. And I know um, Marianne, Jerry, and uh, Lois have an answer, but um, well, explaining well, that. I, well, I mean, if the underride guards cover that axle and tandem, uh, yeah, it would be a hindrance. But again, I go back to the engineers, and I, I, I would suspect that 
they wouldn't put the guards there. So with the angel wing, go ahead. With the angel wing, it currently does not cover it. Uh, The act, right? Right. With uh, there is one engineer who has developed a side guard that is the full length from the rear guard to the landing gear, but like you said, Alan, he with engineering ingenuity he's developed a device that where it can be uh, rotated up to provide access um, to the tires for pre-trip and post-trip inspection and that sort of thing well exactly i mean i i think some of these challenges are throwing out are just i mean silly i mean to me i mean there's all kinds of trailers out there i mean Many, many different kinds of trailers. If they're gonna, if they're gonna require underride guards, uh, there's gonna have to be a design and engineering underride for each and every type of trailer. So uh, there are spread axle trailers out there. So they're gonna have underride guard that will be engineered for them, just as a van trailer is gonna have underride guards engineered for them. I mean, so I, I you know. Again, I just go back to the engineers that they would take care of that. And basically that's what you just said to me. So um, the, the, the challenge there, I, I, I don't see a hindrance at all. You know, the engineering is going to take care of. I mean, does that explain it, Donna? That's, I mean, I would think, I can't imagine just one design for trailer. There couldn't be. I mean, there, there's there's so many. Look at the... Uh, the uh, gas tanker, I mean, the tanker that I hauled, I mean, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, an underride guard for a van trailer isn't going isn't gonna to work on the tanker. So, I mean, that, that's just kind of a, a, a logical uh, way of putting it. So, I mean, that, right, that, that challenge can just kind of be thrown out as far as I'm concerned. So, anyway, did you have another one? Anything else, Donna? Um, there's the... Uh, let's see. Uh, here's another one for you. Side underrides would also limit a driver's ability to easily inspect equipment located under the trailer, including critical safety systems. Now, I've never been under a trailer, so I have no idea what's under there. So why don't you uh, take that one, Alan? Well, I mean, yeah, and it has to be you have to be, have the ability to to do the pre-trip and the post-trip fully. Although, if you really want to be truthful about it, uh, most drivers don't even do a pre-trip or post-trip. They just jump in and take off. But you know, according to regulations, you have to do that. And I mean, you've got the you've got the obviously you've got the airlines underneath there. You've got the springs. You've got your brakes. You know, yeah, there's a lot of things in there that a driver really should needs to have access to. I mean, I was hauling gas ran over something in the road that I didn't see, and it cut my airline right in two, and I was just dead in the water. I mean, I stopped. I was there. I mean, the tanker, of course, I could obviously see. But if you think about it, they already have, uh, you know, those those airflow, those sides on trailers, you know, on a lot of trailers already. Donna, what are they called? I lost my thought. You know, for skirt, the airflow. Side skirts. Yeah, side skirts. Low, drive I talking about the angel wing? 
or side skirts? No, these yeah. are just side skirts that, that well, yeah, this, this helps with the airflow, you know, to get better fuel mileage and things like that. They're already right. pretty low. And, again, uh, let's see, let me make sure. Wait, couldn't you crawl underneath there? You, I mean, you can. You can. Yeah, I, you have, can. I, have pictures, I have pictures of Jerry. I have pictures of Jerry underneath a trailer when he was helping to install a side guard. Yeah, I mean, you still can. Like Jerry, did, Jerry, didn't you say 16 inches, right? Right. So you're still going to have access like I, to be it. Go ahead. Like I said before, there's one engineer that has developed a device where it can be rotated up to give the drivers oh. access to that part of the truck. There, okay. okay, so there you go. So, I, I, you know, I think, the, I think the ones who came up with these operational challenges didn't do the research. You know, uh, I mean, wouldn't you agree, Donna? I just, uh, I mean, we've come up with. Well, they, they appear to be, you know, logical questions. Like, yes, yep. you do need to do a pre and post trip, and you do, do need to right. go under your trailer. Yes. And that these, yes. um, these are, are very critical to do mm-hmm. to make sure your truck uh, is yeah, safe and in working yeah. So important. Uh, but the part that that wasn't looked into was the can you do it with a side guard? And, and you can. Um, and you can. You've answered that tonight. Yes, you can. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think yeah. we we pretty much um, hit the list. And um, I'm trying to. There's a. Other questions from other people are having that you had something on your website. Um, I forgot whose website it was. It was frequently asked questions about stop underrides bill. And basically it's almost the same questions. Uh, you know, will it hurt small business? And it, it's pretty much the same thing we've gone over tonight. And yep. will it, what will it cost the trucking industry? And we've pretty much gone over all that tonight. Do the guards work? And um, according to the research, yeah, IIHS has successfully tested the angel wing at 40 miles an hour. Um, Is there any questions um, about the bill? One of the questions uh, hold on. Wouldn't it be more effective to put money in crash avoidance? Well, here's the thing about crash avoidance. Um, there's some things you just can't avoid. And, uh, you know, why can't you do both? I mean, I look at I look at the, both things on that. And I'm just, oh, on the, on the bill, uh, and you were talking, someone was talking about it, I can't remember who, uh, when we brought up having it up to 65 miles an hour uh, uh, crash resistance. And like I said, I think we talked about it before, you said that it would be up to 65, but what, whatever is feasible, whether that be 40 or 50, um, you know, without it being um, a safety hazard. Is that what we were talking about before? Right, that, that the initial standard would be for the rear guard would be 
that it would they, the guards would be have to be tested at 35 miles per hour. But then the bill calls for research to be done to find out how at what speed can a guard stop a car from going under so that all of the manufacturers are designing their guards to to be able to withstand that amount of force. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know what else to go over. Do you guys have anything that you'd yeah, like I, to add? Yeah, I think what I'll do no. is uh, – I mean, there's so there's so much we've gone over on this show. I, I think I'm also going to uh, wrap it all up, bring it all together in a blog post. That's a blog post I'll do. And we we didn't talk about the maintenance. Um, have you? No, I don't think we have talked about maintenance. Do you want to talk okay, about yeah, that, Marianne? The maintenance. Yeah. Well, the basic thing is that the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Association in their rear underride standard already calls for the rear guards to be kept in like new condition for the simple reason that if it's rusted or bent, like like a lot of times they get bumped in loading docks and so they get bent, or cracked, if they're rusty, if they're not in good condition, then that makes them weaker than they already are. So if anyone looks at trailers on the road, um, it's very common to observe ones that are clearly not properly maintained. And so the bill calls for um, the, the... maintenance requirement to be enforced. Okay. So if something gets rusty, what do you do? I mean, you get a new one or what? Right. When we were doing crash testing um, with an engineer in in North Carolina, uh, we had a trailer donated to us to use for the crash testing. And its rear guard, it was a fairly old trailer. Its rear guard was all rusted. It had some cracks. So I went to a truck parts company, and for $120, I bought the horizontal tube, a replacement for it. Um, So, yes, it can be replaced. And the thing of it is that, as we said before, Stoughton Trailers offers a retrofit kit for the rear guard um, that you can replace an old rear guard with um, a stronger one for $500. So not all that much than simply replacing the horizontal tube. Right. Okay. So, um, but I guess it takes some time to get to that condition. So I guess every now and then you're going to, what, every five years, I don't know, get a new um, rear guard or a retrofit for $500. So, um, I'm reading the, and I'm it might make... it might not need it might not need to be replaced so often if you've got a trailer that has I don't know is it Duraplate that has the that's more rust proof 
you know, so it, it would all depend on um, the wear and tear on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're kind of, I think we're kind of reaching into the future. Really, really don't know. I mean, I think technology and everything will come along and and uh, make these things last longer and longer. So that that right. would be kind of a, a hard question right. to to answer at this time. I mean, I think that's going to take that into effect. They'll come up with maybe a a different coating, a different plating. I mean, who really can say at this point, you know? So, I mean, they might, right. technology may get us to a thing where those things last, you know, 20 years, who knows, or the life of the trailer. We just don't, I think we just don't really know right yet, just yet on that. Okay, now, okay, everybody, um, if somebody wants to be a part of this movement, um, there is a um, petition to sign. Yeah, and it's on it's on the um, which website is that on? That's on the it's stop underground. It's on both of them, yeah. I believe. Right. Well, the what it, what's the is it stopunderride.org? The stopunderride.org. It's on the first page. Okay, because that's an easy. Um, I have all your websites. I I added them um, on the show description. Uh, just tonight so people can look at all your websites and the links. It's right as a comment on the show description. Um, I also believe it's also on that blog post that um, that's up on Ask the Trucker too, but it's Stop Under Rides with an S, right? StopUnderRides.org. Correct. Right. Okay. And if they want to reach you uh, with questions, it is um, what at stopunderrides.org. Stop, they could uh, they could email. They could leave a, a note on the website, or um, they could uh, stopunderrides.org at gmail. They it's uh, it's uh, stopunderrides at gmail dot com. Okay, stopunderrides at gmail dot com dot com. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And like I said, all this is on the show description page and also on the Ask the Trucker blog post about underrides. Um, and I just want to make sure we didn't miss anything. Um, is there anything else you wanted that you thought of that you'd like to say? The only thing in the bill that really we didn't discuss was um, that there's uh, we're asking for a committee on underride protection just to, you know, see the process through. And the committee is going to be composed of, um, you know, people from the trucking industry as well as engineers and crash reconstructionists, uh, safety organizations, um, people in the public health and injury prevention, and families that have actually gone through um, the loss of a loved one. So we think it, it's, a, it's going to be a really good group to collaborate and to um, represent, you know, all interests, all the stakeholders. So are truck drivers a part of that committee? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, we have. Yes, it is. They, yes, they are. Um, we have the, uh, the the trailer manufacturers will be part of that. Um, representatives from uh, commercial vehicle manufacturers and um, motor vehicle engineers, um, crash reconstructionists. So it's just taking um, people from uh, different groups 
so that all the stakeholders will be representative represented in the committee. Are you seeking people now? Um, if there's a driver tonight that is moved by this conversation and they want to be a part of it, um, is that possible? I would, we would. We would. Go ahead, Marianne. We're not the ones organizing the committee at this point, but we would love. I can't hear you. I can't hear you, Marianne, either. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, okay, Jerry. Sorry. This, this okay. Is one. On. Okay, we're we're not able to. Um, we're not organizing the committee ourselves, but we would love okay. to talk to truck drivers. We we would, and we're very sensitive to them, and you know we know that they have a very important job. Um, and, you know, we, we want to make this as easy as, as possible, but, you know, on the same, at the same time, we want to make sure that people on the roads are safe. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot of All people right. talk about driver behavior, and the truth is that, um, you know, people make mistakes, and they shouldn't have to lose their life for it. So that's why the underwrite protection is so important. Sure. Right. And also I just want to mention to everybody that, uh, 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 Marianne and Lois and Jerry, they're supporting the anti-trucker wage amendment because they are for um, increased driver wages and they are against the way the hours of service are uh, uh, put upon drivers so that they're paid by the mile and yet they're governed by a clock. So they understand that hardship with drivers, and we appreciate. Thank you for calling up your um, your Congress people uh, about that uh, anti uh, trucker wage amendment. As a matter of fact, if I have time, Alan's going to um, talk about Section 134 in the FUD bill. Uh, <clears throat> again, there's an article on um, Ask the Trucker all about that also. So there's a lot of good information on Ask the Trucker. You need to go over there and read it all. Um, yeah, and we'll uh, uh, we'll be uh, well. We kind of got to wind it down here, Donalys, and we uh, and like I said, we'll I'll kind of bring this thing all together and put it into a uh, a blog post. Hopefully, I can get up by uh, by tomorrow. So our guest has been Lois Durso, and her website is stopunderrides.org, and we have Marianne and Jerry Karth. Their website is analeamary.com and again their websites are linked to their names on the on the uh, show page easy to get a hold of and uh, if you want to learn more or get involved please visit their uh, their websites and uh, if there's anything else we can do to help you guys just feel free to help us appreciate you coming on the show uh, and uh, again just uh, stay in touch let us know how everything's going and maybe we can have a follow-up show uh, later on, but we appreciate everybody listening. I have a lot of listeners on the show. Everybody just listening. I didn't even get a chance to uh, to fill out where they were all coming. But again, check their website. It is linked to the show page. And uh, what we're going to do, we're we're going to be playing a song tonight from our friend Bill Weaver. And uh, most of you listening tonight know Bill. He's a, he's an owner operator, a truck driver, advocate, singer, songwriter, and he and our good friend Tony Justice play a huge part of big supporter of Trucker's Final Mile and a friend to many in the trucking company. Going to be playing one of his songs called I'm Rolling. 
and you can check him out at BillWeaverMusic.com. And appreciate everybody listening, and we will catch you next time on Ask the Trucker Live.